All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you guessed it, you know what's back, it's the Legitimate Podcast, coming to you live here on Monday, what's the date, November 18th, I believe. Already? Jeez Louise. November is halfway over, it's hard to believe, but Legitimate Podcast, we have myself, Mike Miller, and we have Roy Scott, as always, representing what we like to call the Dirty South, so... (laughs) First off, uh, we'd really like to thank everybody for taking the time and listening to us, uh, making space for us in your day, your commute, whatever that looks like. Uh, things have been going really well with the podcast, so we appreciate that. And thank everybody for taking that time, like I said. Um, if you guys get the opportunity on whatever platform that you guys are using for the podcast, if you can, leave us a review, leave us some feedback. Uh, you know, five, six, 18 star ratings are always appreciated. And, and uh, any kind of comments. Um, comments, good, bad, or ugly, we'll take them and we'll dissect them and we'll go from there. Um, the other thing then too that we have been getting and really been enjoying is, uh, the questions coming in. So whatever kind of acts related question that you think that we might be able to help you out with or maybe if it has you stumped, you don't know. Send it in. You can send it in to any of us. Uh, you can send it in to Instagram to the to the Legitimus Podcast. Myself, Roy, however you want to get it to us, uh, get it to us, and then we will do our best to try and answer it on the podcast. So um, that's our basic intro there. Roy, what do we got going on in the dirty south? Get me up this. Well, um, I'm working on a couple orders at one time right now. Um, this customer from Utah, um, you guys know that I was working on this Puget Sound, and then uh, I started working on the Plum Anchor brand Huey Natchet, and I finished both of those up. Um, and then I started on the Flying Axes order. So they, Flying Axes, um, they're a local axe throwing uh, company here in Louisville. They've got a, a location in Louisville and Covington, Kentucky, and then also down in Nashville. Um, I do their trophies for their league play, and, and they contact me every few months, every quarter, or something like that. Uh, and so I started on that. I got six pieces in the works. I got all the handle work done, so I hung them. So my process, just to quickly get into it, is to rough hang everything on the blank, then final cut out the handle, and then do the kerf cut and then shape the handle and sand it and get it all nice and smooth. And then I typically go back and do the head work uh, and then cut all the wedges and marry them all up and hang them, do the final hang on them. So where I am right now is I got um, I need to do all the head work on them. And as I'm doing this, the customer that ordered the Puget Sound and the Anchor brand hewing, uh, he said, oh, my God, I need one of those. And that typically happens with uh, orders that I get. If it's not the customer that I'm working on, um, that particular order, it's someone that says, Hey, I like what you're working on. Can you do something like that for me? And, you know, that's always kind of cool and fun. And, um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see if he actually pulls the trigger on getting some of these. I can't, I can't sell, uh, that particular head because flying axes provides it to me. Um, and all those are their heads, so I do my little finish on them and give them back to them. But I've got, you know, a shit ton of hatchets that I can make throwing hatchets out of just about anything. Um, 
Willie B just hit me up a little bit ago, 15 minutes ago. He needs me to do some edge work on some, uh, on a double bit that he's working on for a customer. He said it's just all super jacked, uh, and it'd take him forever, which is understandable. I mean, if you don't have a 2x72 and you're trying to reprofile a double bit with some chip, like big dip, uh, big chips and dings and whatever, I mean, it, you're gonna you're gonna be spending a lot of time pumping some butter on that bitch. So, so chips and dip. Yeah, chips and dips. I mean, like we've all seen them, right? So you're looking at the freaking axe, and it's like, good god, were you just busting rocks with the edge of that thing? What the hell was this guy <laughs> doing? Um. So uh, apparently he's in kind of a big hurry because he's he's only like what Lobel's. Let's just say an hour and a half. Just it's a little less than an hour and a half. But he's going to ship me the head, so he's kind of in a hurry. I'm not going to get down to Louisville probably till next week or so. Um, last week was a short week. I had to go to Nashville to help my wife out, um, and it was just literally down and back. And I don't, have you been to Nashville lately? I've never been to Nashville. No. Man, I don't want to go on a freaking rant, but Nashville, golly, the traffic there is horrendous. We were just driving like at 10 o'clock in the, in the morning, like in between rush hour, getting to, to Britt's office visits and everything. And I was just, golly, I could never live down here. And, and, and she used to live down there and she was like, yeah, there's no way I could live here now. And I was like, this place, it's just awful. And she was like, well, you know, there's some really pretty places that you haven't really seen. And I was like, I don't really want to. And she goes, yeah, you know, there's Leaper's Fork and everything where Mike Wolf is. And I was like, oh, Mike Wolf. I forgot about him. Not like forgot about him, forgot about him. But I used to follow him pretty religiously on Instagram. And uh, I stopped following him over the summer. Because he was doing all sorts of like home restorations, building restorations, not maybe not restorations, you know what I mean, just like yeah, he sort of branched out a little bit from like what he had been doing. Yeah. He he has, and and it's cool that he's doing all that stuff. I love it, and I love um, you know uh, going through and gutting houses and and making them your own and whatever. I mean, I, I just love that process. I've done it to a couple of houses. But in my feed, like it just it just lost my interest. So I was like, I wonder what that dude's up to. This is God's honest truth. I click on his profile on Instagram, and uh and uh and it gives me the little notification. It says follow back, and I look at Britt and I go, Are you freaking kidding me? Mike Wolf is following Vintage Axe Works. Holy shit! So I quickly ref. I was like, I follow him back. So Mike Wolf, if you're out there listening. Uh, I apologize that I wasn't following you, but rest assured that I am following you back now. So thank you. <laughs> and all that started because we were in like shitty traffic in Nashville, and it, the conversation just kind of spiraled about like like that city just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, and soon, like it, there's the suburbs are just going to be out of control. We've been going down there for three years now. Four years, that city's never not been under construction. And it's just a nightmare to drive. Anyway. I've had from what some friends have told me is that it's sort of very similar to Charlotte, where Charlotte is it's just growing hands over fists. 
in that basically everybody that's in Charlotte is from like Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, Ohio. And I think it's the same with Nashville from what people have told me is that basically the northerners are cruising on down south and it's growing. I mean, obviously if there's jobs there and everything like that, it makes sense. But yeah, the, uh, the always under construction, the traffic, you know, they oh. they weren't originally built to be able to handle that. So like even sometimes no. when you got a three lane, you need a four or five lane and it can be a little, uh, little touch and go there. But to, uh, to circle back to your point with Willie in the accident yeah. and it being all banged up, that mm-hmm. reminded me of when we were talking last week about, Oh, hey, you know, I'm an idiot. I dropped my axe head and, you know, busted it all up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I think I showed you. We got the comment where the one guy was like, Oh, you know, I can't believe that you're actually talking about that. I've never done that. And like, he didn't even get the words out of his mouth. And then he immediately turns and drops his axe. So yeah, just, uh, that just made me think of that because that unfortunately it does happen. But, um, oh, 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 um, on this, th- this ties back to the last, uh, episode, um, about mistakes that I made. I just made another mistake on that, uh, hewing hatchet. I was trying to be all smooth and fast and whatever. And I typically wait until the entire project's done to start the leather. Um, but I was like, well, this is just going to be a wraparound little strap thing. Um, because my design doesn't work on these hewing. So I like loosely fit the head on there, got the strap kind of lined up and, did everything, peened it, got then the day a day later I put the whole project together, straps too short. <laughs> I totally jacked it up. So I spent I don't know several minutes out in my shop yesterday trying to drill out a solid brass rivet and trying not to jack up the leather underneath of it or around it. Cause man, if you're drilling a piece of brass and the bit slips off and then it goes right into your sheath and you just drill a hole right through the money. I mean, yeah, I, I was a little nervous cause I, I, there's no way that I wanted to redo that freaking thing. Just, good old leather can get you every tor- time. Torture, freaking torture. So what about you, Mr. Miller? What's so going on? We- we have, uh, we are in the realm of captain organization right now. So I got the garage. Um, I had a whole ton of ax heads in the garage that weren't on the priority list. So those all got sorted through, moved. Now what I'm going to do is sort of getting ready for spring here. So um, you're getting ready for spring. We're just now going into winter. I know, but I got to get, this is just from a volume standpoint. So I'm going to get, go through all these heads. As you know, you've seen them. I have them all separated out in the Warren and the Kelly and the, you know, the major ones, miscellaneous. Unfortunately, the time is going to come here probably in the spring where I'm going to have to liquidate some of those. So the sorting and the going through process and getting these ready and you know, putting handles on them, maybe not putting handles on them, getting them grouped, making the sets. That is basically starting today. And then with the, the garage wall where I just posted that picture of the Collins rack with the two mm-hmm. signs and everything. That's the first part of the axe wall that's going to go in the garage with the Collins rack, with the Kelly rack, with the plum rack. And then we'll see how that all folds out with how many axes that we can get in there and, and then go you're, from there. So you're all racked up. Hey, I, you know, that freaking Collins rack, I'm part owner of that freaking thing because it was in my house for a month. Waiting so I, guess I, I probably owe you like a storage fee. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You're like my storage my, or something. My freaking living room for a month. Yeah. But that's what we have going on there. So, uh, and when hopefully... you say liquidate, what are you like? What are you talking? How we'll see. Many? That's probably a couple hundred. 
you're going to liquidate a couple hundred. Yeah, I'm out of room. I don't know what else to do. So, well, stop buying. Well, I mean, that's probably the biggest part. Yeah. But uh, so we'll see. We're going to try a couple different things. Uh, so if anybody's out there looking for things, you're looking for a special head, want it handled, non-handled, this or the other. We will get into that, but we'll get hardcore into that in the spring. So probably like March, probably March well, 1st. Hey, listen, before you, well, you already did throw that out there to the whole world. Yep. I'd, I'd like to uh, go through and personally sift through those heads that you're thinking about letting go. I mean, there, I'm there's always... a sifter. There's a sifter <laughs> fee oh, that has to be negotiated uh, just to walk into the building. Oh, my God. I think that's fair. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sifter's fee. Start calling it. Yeah, we'll call it. Uh, we'll call it Miller March Madness. So oh we'll my see how God. that works. But so that whole process, I got to get going on that today. So that as soon as we get done here, wrapped up, um, published, everything that'll be going on today. So. So we'll have you ever? Goes. Have you thought about cataloging all of the heads that you have? I, I did it. I have the, the catalog, quote unquote, is in my mind, but I've reached that point where I can't remember them all. I mean, it's just impossible. So that is going to be part of this as well. So like if they go into the into the keeper pile, then those will get cataloged as far as, you know, the, the major brand who made them. Maybe if it is a hardware line or whatever, the weight and then sort of like the condition, like, you know, excellent, good, rough, whatever that is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And then go from there. And then. uh eventually we'll put that out so then if somebody is looking for something they can just scroll right down through the thing and be like i'm looking for let's just say a kelly a kelly vulcan with that vulcan blacksmith stamp and i want it in you know single big good condition you'll be able to go right down through the spreadsheet and there it is oh did you see that one that Corey posted last night i did i did i jumped it was very interesting because a certain gentleman that'll go unnamed right now sent me that link at like six o'clock in the morning. He's like, Hey, take a look at this. And I was like, Oh, that's very interesting. Then was that an eBay purchase then? No, that was a marketplace. What? It was a marketplace, which I don't, I do very little with that. So I don't have a lot of views or insight on that, but somebody had sent that to me at like six in the morning. And then I get it from him. Then at like six o'clock at night, like, Hey, listen, I just got this. I was like, that's pretty nice. So (laughs) Corey sent it to me and my response, my typical response, mine, like Mm -hmm. nothing crickets. And then, then he posts it out on Instagram and I was like, dude, I already told you that was mine. And he was like, ha 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 (laughs) or whatever it was. No, that's That's that was a very nice act. Oh, it's super freaking nice. I love, I love those, uh, those, those stamps where it's either the blacksmith scene or the Vulcan scene, you know, the best acts made on the Flint edges. I've got a handful yeah. of them and I know you've got a, a couple of really nice pieces. Um, I don't know why I like that stamp so much and it's a stamp. It's not an etch. It's, so it's like, it's the end of the era, right? It's yeah. like one of their last holdouts. It's just a really cool piece. It is. No doubt, yeah. So those are those are good. I just found it ironic. Where uh, I was like, yeah, I just saw that. So that's a good find, definitely a good find. Which uh, actually sort of leads us into our topic for today that we're going to talk about is axes. Yeah. How do you find them? Where do you get them? Who do you talk to? 
how do you do it? So these are the questions. And kind of things, things that you want to be very, very aware of and kind of cautious of also. Yeah. So like, how does this whole axe purchasing thing sort of work? What are some things to do and what are some things not to do? So if we're talking about these questions that we get in, one of the more common ones that we both get is <laughs> just to cut to the chase is where did you find that? Yeah. Where do you find these things or how are you getting those? And that's probably one of the more common ones that we get. And so there's uh, obviously a wide variety to those, uh, to the answer for that. We talked a little bit about it last week as far as just some of the things to watch for. But we figured, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Obviously there's guys that, that love axes. They want to, I guess, have a chance to be able to get some of these, um, as this market and this axe craze continues on. So we figured that we would talk about this today. Now, this isn't going to be perfect. This isn't an all to 100% hands-on guide and you're going to go find a, an absolute mint black raven right right after you get done listening to this. So it is yeah. a process for even the both of us. But we figured that we would try and dive into this, see what's going on. Hopefully then be able to get some feedback from all you yahoos out there as far as what do you do <laughs> and maybe what works for you. Because obviously there's a million different things. I mean, there's... And we'll get into them, but there's, you know, eBay, Etsy, this online, that online, this guy, that guy. It's probably never ending, but we'll try and cover a few of those. So you have anything that you want to start with as far as this, that, or the other? Well, I'd just like to give a specific shout out to the guy that asked the, the very specific question. It's KWGIV. <laughs> His question was, how in the world does Miller find the pieces he does? What, what so, was that guy's name? WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, that's right. WKRP in Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) KWGIV. Thanks for the question. So we'll get into it. How do you find the pieces that you do? Do you want to lead it? You want to lead out or just? Well, I will lead lead by saying that my secrets are my own, and this podcast is over. (laughs) Let's wrap it up. Wrap this bad boy up. No, so I get asked this all the time, and yeah. it's you know it's a very good question. There are obviously a lot of different ways that I have found axes over the years. So you start with the basics: garage sales, flea markets, antique shops. Those were those are what I would call your basic three. Now some guys will put estate sales into there. Mm-hmm. I am I am not an estate sale guy. I've gone to maybe a couple in my life. Yeah. It might be something that I'll branch out into. I've just never had any luck, and I probably need to put more homework in on the front end instead of just going and just showing up at ones that I think might work. So you could probably consider that maybe a fourth basic, but that's going to be an individual thing. Sure. And there's, there's some guys out there that crush it at estate sales. It just yep. hasn't been my cup of tea. I've always done really, really good. Like once you get – like a pattern of flea markets down where you know that you got three, four, five honey holes. Yep. Try and revisit those, especially during the holidays. So Memorial mm-hmm. Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, 4th of July, depending on how that falls, is usually when you'll have more people out. Antique shops are going to be hit and miss, again, depending on where you're at in the country. So a general rule of thumb, as you head to the northeast, your antique shops are going to be bigger bucks. Mm-hmm. Typically, as you head to the south, you're going to be able to get better deals at a better price. Yeah, that's, that's why I call it the dirty south. That's why you call it <laughs> the dirty bunch, south. 
there's a bunch of junk down here. <laughs> Depending, you'll you'll uh, you'll have them where you know sometimes you'll get into some bigger prices, especially now that it's people are more aware of the axe market. And you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If they do see a pretty good stamp or something like that, you're in an antique store. You're probably going to pay for it. Um, but those are going to be like your basics. Obviously, if we go online, you got eBay is probably going to be your standard. That I has uh, that has a lot of different things, as you would say. eBay is e- dead. It is dead. Uh, here's something funny that I hate to admit. Um, I actually bought a head off of eBay last night. Uh, it was just one of those ones that I've wanted for a long time, and it wasn't very expensive. But I was surprised that no one had uh, snatched it up. It was a uh, a sing song craftsman. Beveled Dayton. I love this. I don't have any sing-song uh, stamps, so I mean, I just love it. It's just a really cool, pretty stamp. And then to describe get, what that is, because we're gonna have guys out there that don't know what that is. Uh, it's it's is it the oldest or it's one of the oldest or older craftsman stamps. And the reason they call it the sing-song is it. It's not in a straight line. The the word craftsman kind of goes up and then goes down. Like uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, well, I don't know who coined the term sing song, but it's stuck. I mean, you you go back and you look at blade forms and whatever, and operator nineteen seventy five post from fucking ten years ago. Sing songs up there, and hey, there it is. I don't like. Do you know where that term came from? I mean. I- I don't. I I always called it the curly cue, which makes that even less sense than calling it a sing song. <laughs> uh, just because it does have that curl, it's almost like a wave, or yeah, like a roller a coaster, or something yeah. like that. So, uh, like but for thing. yeah, for you guys that don't know, that's what that stamp is. So you have the oval, and then the craftsman has like the wave formation to it, which is it's a nice stamp. I mean, it, it it's it's pretty when you look it at is pretty. it. It it catches your eye, and you're like, oh man, this is this is pretty nice. So. Those are pretty cool stamps. So, it, time frame on that stamp is that like twenties, thirties? Uh, if I remember right, again, this is off the top of my head. It's definitely pre forties. I want to say it's in like that late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, is that's where I want to say that is. Yeah, and it's just it's just a gorgeous piece. I mean, the pole's kind of jacked up or whatever, but uh, finding a sing song. I mean, yeah, they're out there, but a beveled sing song. And it's just kind of cool. And I'm like, I've said this a hundred times before. I'm a sucker for bevels and you just put those two together. And honestly, I mean, it was a buy it now and he had a buy it now for 40 bucks. So I countered mm. <clears throat> or best offer. So I said, Oh, $25. And he counters back with 28 bucks. <laughs> Stuck me for that $3. So I've snatched it up $10 shipping, which is more than he should have charged me. But for forty bucks shipped, I mean, hard to beat. Hard, hard, to, hard beat. to beat. So, and that if we're talking about axes and ha- as you find them, that's something that I try and take into consideration. So if you are out and about and you mm-hmm. find an axe, you got to remember you're not paying for that shipping if it's right there in front of you and it's in your hands. Sometimes yep. I, I think guys sort of forget about that. Um, maybe even especially if you're in the antique store and you're like, oh man, this axe. Let's say this, and if it, let's say if it has a handle on it. 
Oh man, this yeah. axe, it's a single bit. This axe is going to be 60 bucks. Yep. So you're probably looking at about at least 20 bucks to ship that. Yep. So if you did find it online, you're going to pay maybe that price plus 20 bucks to ship it. So yes, you sort of have to weigh that in and that will obviously differ from guy to guy, but that's something that I try and take into account. You know, so there's that shipping. There's almost like a finder's fee too. You know, if they've, if they have it and they got it, you can sort of factor that in as well if you're looking at the price because that'll sort of be the, the next question, which is the question I hate is, you know, what is it worth? Which right. is going to be an individual thing, but those are some of the things that you need to sort of look at to be able to justify that to yourself is, is that act worth it? But that, that was and, a, that you know, was a good at, steal. At, that was a good what? That was a good steal then, I would say, for that, that sing song. Yeah. That, that's so a good deal. for, so for forty dollars, yeah, like to my door, forty bucks uh, for something that is that old. The conditions probably a six or a seven. I mean, it's not great, but it's workable, and it's it's something that I've always wanted, and it'll go in my personal collection. Um, I'm not going to sell that thing because there's no need to. I just I love it, and I wanted it, so I bought it. <laughs> it was that simple. Okay, so we talked about eBay. Obviously, then sort of your your counter to that or another avenue is Etsy, which I don't have a lot of experience with Etsy. Um, I have bought a couple axes off of there, but that's another avenue where where guys sell axes. Um, there's usually some pretty nice stuff out there too. I think you're a little bit more familiar with that, right? Well, I am, um, just because my site runs through Etsy. So every now and then, like whenever I whenever I log in, it's like, hey. Here are some suggested things, and it's kind of crazy how spot on these freaking algorithms are. Like you look at one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's like it pops up on Google, it pops up on on freaking Amazon. Hell, I saw you were interested in this. You might also be interested in these. Like, dude, are you reading my freaking mind? Because yes, I am interested in those things. <laughs> it's crazy. But so yeah, I get on there, um, and they're you know. I wouldn't go on Etsy to find killer deals. I would go on Etsy to find things that are super nice and that you just want just to have, right? You're not going to get crazy smashing deals because typically a lot of the, the sellers on Etsy are artisans. So they've done some sort of restoration on them. Um, there are a couple of guys that you can get deals on, but you're not going to, you're not going to go out and find a, a black raven on Etsy for, 50 bucks or anything like that. I mean, those days are gone. I don't even know if those days existed on Etsy, but I mean, you get the, you get the point where I'm saying. Sure. Um, and I think that's a really good point because that's what I've seen on Etsy is that you are, you're not going to go on there and you're not going to find a flea market find, but man, you, the ability to find a very nice ax and maybe one that you're looking for, like you need a right. certain, you know, you're looking for one to add to the collection or something like that. You might have a little bit of a better chance of finding it on there and in good, really good condition. It, yeah, in good condition, exactly. Yeah. So, like, just for comparative pur- purposes, if um, that $40 sing song that I just got was on Etsy and someone put a nice handle into it, reprofiled the pole, I mean, you're talking someone probably would have asked $150 for it or 125 or something like that, but a premium price for it where out on eBay, it's just a raw head, which I love because I don't like paying for axes with handles unless they're dead mint 
freaking perfect because cool. because I'm not going to use the handle. I'm going to put in my own handle, and I'm adding value to it instead of the price being raised because someone says, well, it's a tool now that you can go out and use. And they're right. I mean, they're not wrong. You could go out and take that axe and start splitting some wood the, the second you get home. So sellers at flea markets, at antique stores or wherever, if you actually are talking to the owner of that piece that you're trying to buy, they place so much more value on it if it has a handle. It doesn't have, it doesn't even have to be a good handle. It could be a beat up, cracked, duct taped around the shoulder, the, the palm swell just chipped all to hell. You can still use it and it has more value than the head. And you can, you can find heads. If you find heads, in an antique store or flea market, they're going to be almost rock bottom prices for just a standard head. Five dollars typically. Absolutely. Ten dollars yep. for something in really good condition because they just see it as, well, there's a really cool paperweight. And most people aren't <laughs> familiar with hanging heads and, you know, making this into a working tool anymore. And thank goodness for that, because that's how I have gotten a lot better prices. Always look for the heads. Very good. All right, so let's see. So we talked about eBay. Uh, that was your Etsy tutorial right there. Um, obviously, there's other online groups. So like Axounds does Sales Saturday, which is usually pretty popular. That's usually up mm-hmm. in the 100, 150 comments, pictures, stuff like that. Uh, Axe Junkies, obviously, is another group that you got to be a little careful but you do have the ability to be able to sort of share and then behind the scenes then do the deals which is which is good there's the other groups that are on facebook i'm not going to get into them but it's basically the same process sure Uh, and then through that then there is the you know it's not what you know it's who you know so it's the guys that you know and 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 that's that's the biggest one right there that's where your money is and if you start collecting to the level that you and i are collecting or some of these other guys it's all about who you know. It, it is because it. then you'll you'll find certain guys that will have something that you want. Usually, then if you can counter and they have some, or you have something that they want, then you go and you you basically you got to beat each other down for a certain amount of time. Like obviously, Freebie and I have done that now a couple times, mm-hmm. to where we just basically pummel each other into submission <laughs> until until we finally give in. Um, <laughs> But that is, and that is something that you're not going to be able to do overnight. So, again, if you're sort of newer to the scene or something like that, uh, don't be afraid to get out there and, you know, post what you're looking for in some of these groups. Message some people on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, i tell you another good thing. Go to some of these Axe Meets, right? Yeah, for Meet sure. Meet a lot of these guys at the Axe Meets. And then that way you get away from the online communication and then you get face to face communication. Obviously you get to meet the guys, uh, enjoy them, hang out with them and, uh, you know, become better friends with them and, um, sort of tell them maybe what you're looking for. And then you got eyes that are out there for you. So if you have three, four, five friends and they know that you're looking for, Hey, I'm looking for specific acts. A. And they're like, Hey Mike, Hey, I found this. What does this look like? I get mm-hmm. a lot of that coming in. Yep. I get a yep, lot yep, of people yep. sending me stuff and be like, Hey, did you see this? Hey, I just found this. Hey, would this be something that you're interested in? I get a lot of that. So thank you to those guys that have done that uh, over the years for me. And that, it's just a really good way of that whole networking thing in the in the axe community. Well, you know, I think I think Nish is a good example of there's no substitute for pounding the pavement. 
I mean, this, this guy went from zero pieces to 500 pieces in a very, very short amount of time, but he is putting in the legwork and he's going out there and he's hitting antique malls. He's hitting flea markets and he's finding some really good pieces. And, um, he shared with me a couple of, of pieces in particular. Like he loves Connecticut's and cruisers. That's his jam. So as you start collecting your, your, your likes and your interests, start to focus in and he's a perfect example of that. Um, so he's, you know, that's what he's looking for. And for guys that know him that, you know, Hey, Nish is looking for this. He might want this cruiser or whatever. And some people may not want a cruiser. Some people may not care about a Connecticut. Uh, and they know that he does. So he might be on someone's list to, to get hit up. And, you know, kind of tying this into what you and I were talking about last night. Um, there are some old timers out there that have amassed huge collections that we don't even know about yet. They've been collecting before collecting was cool. And those collections are going to get unloaded sometime in the future. Who knows when, but there are guys out there with, massive collections there just has to be there has to be i've gone i've gone to auctions always here's another one auctions are a great resource uh for finding axes and i used to go to a lot of auctions early on but the problem with them is that it's a huge time commitment you got to drive there you gotta you gotta like the axes are not on the top list of items to get auctioned off first because that's ah, a freaking axe who cares but if you go you got to be really selective because I'm not going to drive all the way up to Indianapolis for an auction that has three axes that are just like whatever axes, right? I mean, if there's a couple of amazing pieces in that auction lot, yeah, of course I'm going to go. But if they're just normal average axes, it's just not worth my time. But if if you go and someone has a collection of, say, 50 axes, 80 axes, well, now you have my interest. It's worth my time to go up there and stay all freaking day to get some potentially good pieces at good prices. Sure. Absolutely. Auctions. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I probably would have skipped over that one today. I would have forgot about it. So auctions are good. You're going to be more into your single, maybe two pieces, three pieces, something like that. And then usually your better pieces. So mm-hmm. usually the way that I look at it, auctions come with a price tag and you need to be ready for that. <coughs> If, if that is, in fact, what you're looking for. They are out there. There are the, the tool auctions and things. Um, I've been to a couple of those. They are pretty interesting mm-hmm. because people look at guys like me and they're like, what is this idiot doing trying to buy this axe? Yep. And then I look at these other guys. I'm like, why are you buying that? Or why are you buying this? They're like, you know, these guys <laughs> yeah. are buying planes and stuff like that that I have no interest in. We're right. looking at each other both like we're aliens. And I always have enjoyed that. <laughs> That part of the auction where, like, you know, I'm like, we're all just idiots here doing what we want and what we, what is interesting to us. But the auctions are good. Um, They are a definite thing to to keep an eye out on. You will usually pay. So don't, don't go to an auction thinking that you're going to get a $7 flea market. Uh, I've gotten some amazing killer deals. Uh, This auction place up in Indianapolis. Uh, every now and then they'll do a whole tool sale and they're just average beater axes that some old guy in his eighties collected and now he's dead and 
the family's got to liquidate his estate and they don't they don't care about axes they don't care about his tools and you know I've, I've gone to several of those and walked away with a lot of quality pieces um for not a lot of money okay, but so then that's that's good to know because then see i don't have that experience with that so if those if that uh opportunity is out there then that is good to know well and, I, and I guess again, it's just like anything else you just got to watch you got to pay attention you got to watch, you got to pay attention, and you have to be selective, right? Because time is money. And for me, if I'm looking at an auction, the last auction I went to was, I think, in the springtime. And I did a whole Instagram story on it or whatever, and, and I'm driving up there. And, and it never fails, just like we were talking last week about shitty pictures. I, I think auctioneers intentionally take crappy pictures. Like, <laughs> what, I, what is that? I can't really tell. I guess I got to go and find out for myself. And, and yep. the pictures for that particular auction that I went to, the, the pictures did not do the pieces justice. Um, so I go there, and there's probably 50 axes, lots of bluegrass, lots of plum, in good condition. And I thought, oh, man, these guys are going to jack up the prices. And it's funny what auctioneers do, right? They always start high. And, w- w- like, on TV, it's like – you see it, they start low, and they just keep going up and up and up. But that does not happen in real life. Auctioneers always start high because they're, they're getting a commission, and no one's bidding. So they start going down, and they start going down. And then someone will throw up their hand and say, five bucks, and they'll start the auction at $5, $10, whatever it happens to be. And then they'll start going up incrementally from there. Um, and that was the case with that auction in southern Indiana. I got pieces for... Five, ten, fifteen dollars. And here's the other thing. Auctioneers, uh, you need to be savvy about, um, about auction, auctions and lots of auctions. Uh, when I say lots, I mean multiple items per, per bid. So what some auctioneers will do, they'll, they'll gather up five pieces, ten pieces, whatever, and they'll say, how much, um, buyer's choice and the auction, for that round will be on whoever bids that amount. Let's say you end up bidding $10. And of those 10 axes, the person that gets the highest bid gets to choose which piece and how many pieces he wants at that price. Okay. So if the, if the auction, if that lot is for 10 pieces and you, your highest bid is $10, you can pick five axes. You just paid 50 bucks. You can pick nice. six axes, ten axes, or you can gamble. You can take the you can take the best ones, right? And you, let's say you take three of them, you just spent thirty bucks, and there's still seven left. Then it goes to the second round. Then they start bidding on it again. So you know you're not going to pay ten dollars. So the auction might go, the round might go for five dollars. So now you get choice, five dollars ahead for the seven remaining. So you just saved five bucks ahead on the last seven. So you only spent $35 for seven axes. Wow. So you have to be savvy. I was going to so, say, yeah. Better be paying it, attention, it, know, know what you're doing. And it, and it all happens very, very quickly. Some some guys will say one money for one lot, you take everything. Um, some is, it's buyer's choice. So you just got to stay on your toes. And, and it comes with, you know, you, you go to a couple of them. And I was so freaking nervous, like, like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing at the, ver- you know, at the first couple auctions or whatever. And you just settle into it, and you just realize that 
no one knows what they're really doing. And you, it's like ships flying here and there and whatever, and just have a good time. It's just fun. We love going to auctions. I feel like we should do that and turn that into like a game show. <laughs> and like an axe off and just have all these axe guys just trying to freaking just go at each other to try and get some axes that are in this group. Might have potential. But that's very interesting. So I had not, you know, the, the auction piece, I think obviously is going to be a, an individual thing. So just watch and you got to learn a little bit with it too then. So it's not going to be something that you're just going to be an expert at overnight. So I'm not going to name the website. I'm not going to name the website where you can go, but there is a website out there that is a great resource for auctions. So go out and find it yourself. Do a little legwork. Do a little legwork. All right. Yeah. So we got all that. We talked about auctions. We talked about the guys that you know. Um, I'll tell you another thing that you can do too. This will be the this will be our edition of the pro tip for the week. Right? Ah, pro tip. Pro tip of the week brought to you by Double X Double Bet Axe Company. Blah blah blah. So anyway, so Google is your friend, right? So you'll hear that a lot. Google is your friend. Um, I don't know if you remember the gentleman on Blade Forum, Steve Tall, was sort of known for being able to find stuff. <laughs> that no one else could find, right? And so I had actually reached out to him, and I'm like, what is going on? What are you doing? You're obviously doing something that the rest of us aren't doing. So there is a method to the madness with Google that I don't know if a lot of people realize. So if you just type in a Kelly Black Raven, mm-hmm. you're going to find a lot of stuff. But what you need to do is Google how to actually use Google and it will give you all kind of tips and tricks that are actually very, very helpful for taking a search. And you can broaden it. You can narrow it. You can specify it. You can get down to some very intricate, nitty-gritty stuff that will help you then zero in on whatever you're looking for. So that's my pro tip of the day. Again, brought to you by Double Bit Axe Company. Just learn, the tip. Just the tip, baby. But learn <laughs> how to properly use Google because it is – it's amazing. Like once you get in there and you start, you're like, well, well, I could do this or I could quote this or I can hyphen this. I could dash this. I could asterisk this. It is a, it's, it's crazy. The amount of stuff that you can do. And once you learn that and you know how to combo the stuff, you will be amazed at what you can find that if you just type it in regular Google, yeah, it, it doesn't show. So you know who's, you know who's sweating right now? Who's that? Take a guess. Freebie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's totally sweating. He's like, you guys are giving away my secrets. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people know that. It's just that there's a, there is a, a rhyme and a reason to be able to do that. And it, it's amazing. I'm telling you, once you get in there and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that this was possible. I didn't know that you yeah. could actually do that. Brent is one of those dudes that just finds stuff that I don't know how he finds the stuff that he freaking finds. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. Um, he, he is the dude, like, if you're looking for fill-in-the-blank, hit up Freebie. He'll uh, he'll probably find it for you somehow. I don't know. And maybe he was using those Google tips and tricks and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But whatever. Right. What else we got? Anything else to add with the... Uh where to or buying or anything like that or maybe places to visit or guys to talk to or anything along those lines? Um, just real quickly, um, 
you and I were talking last night. If you have the ability to buy a collection, you're going to be better off. And if you can't afford the entire collection, maybe your buddy can go in with you. And maybe you can do kind of a, a pick round thing where you have to, you know, you buy in and then you get a, you get equal chances to get pieces whenever you receive them or whatever. Because collections, whenever you're talking, you know, 100 pieces or whatever, you're getting up into some serious cash. So, but the piece price goes down. So there's that. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a really good tip. So if you, you know, if you find yourself and, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck, you're in a pickle, you know, reach out to some other guys because there are guys that obviously that will do that and, um, and help you out. What you got to sort of figure out going in is then, so you got, you got a hundred pieces, you got three guys, who's getting what? So have that sort of discussed or maybe set some ground rules or something. Yeah, so absolutely. you don't get in there. Like you don't want to, you know, have Thunderdome where, you know, two guys enter, <laughs> one guy leaves with everything. God. So you want to try and have that figured out just so that nothing happens and, you know, everybody's on the same page going into whatever kind of deal like that. Because anytime that you're talking about collections, pieces that guys want, and then money, yeah. there's, there's potential there to just have things go awry. So just, again, make sure that everybody's on the same page and you know what the expectations are. And how it's all going to play out. But I think to your point that you brought up earlier, you're going to see more of that here coming. You're going to see guys with, Hey, I got 50 pieces. Hey, I got a hundred pieces. Hey, I got a barn full of stuff. I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. Go get you and your cronies and go figure it out. And you know, I think that you, we will see more of that, especially as we all interconnect and we're talking to guys. And now, you know, Mike from Pennsylvania is talking to, this guy from Arizona and this guy from Oregon and this guy from Georgia, like that whole community then can come together and be like, Hey, listen, let's, let's get this done. So it's pretty exciting, but just make sure that everybody knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. It, uh, I, I have a feeling that there are some old guys, like I was saying earlier that just have, not only axes, but just huge collections of really cool old tools. And, you know, like most of these auctions that I go to, um, I'm the youngest guy there. So it's like one old guy is buying a collection from another old guy. And that dude's like, he's got one foot in the freaking grave already. And he just bought a whole bunch of freaking old tools. Well, all of his shit's going to be up on the auction block in a year or two. <laughs> But no doubt. whatever, no whatever doubt. makes them happy. I mean, if like that's what you want to go do, and that's how you spend time. Yeah, whatever. That's awesome. I can remember telling a buddy one time we were at a flea market together, and you could, you know, you can sort of tell the guys that are into into the, you know, going in and cleaning out the houses and everything. That's either what they do or that's their side gig or whatever. And I was like, do you think that this is what event eventually is going to happen to me? Like somebody's just going to come in and clean my stuff out and it's all going to end up here. Like, is that where we're like, is it all just going to come full circle? Like I'm out here trying to pick through all this stuff that came from other people's houses that will eventually end up in my house, which will eventually then get cleaned out and then go back to the pick pile. And I'm like, it gotta be a better way. It was sort of eye opening, but yeah, uh, that is the way that uh, unfortunately it goes sometimes. And those guys, especially if they know each other and they sort of been eyeing up each other, like, Oh man, <laughs> I really like what Jim has. Like, you know, I'm just going to wait him out. But, um, 
It happens. I had a guy tell me that one time at a flea market. He's like, I just waited him out and I got everything off of his widow. And I'm like, you are oh my God. one dirty cat, man. I was like, dang it. But it does happen. So now what else do we got? So we had talked a little bit last night then. So if we're looking on eBay or on Etsy or maybe online, like okay. what are the, some of the things then? Cause guys will ask me and I know they do you too. So what are some of the things I want to look for? Maybe what do I want to steer away from? What kind of questions do I want to ask? I know we talked a little bit about this last episode, but I think that this is important. This is hugely important. It's yeah. hugely important, especially if you if you don't have hands and eyes on something and you're strictly going off of an online purchase on any platform. So, so what are some things that we want to look for or maybe ask or do or say? Well, I think there's a lot of value in, in the statement, the, the old statement. If it's a, if it's too good to be true, then it probably is too good to be true. Right. Um, if you see a black raven for $50, um, I might pause for a second and really, really look at the etch. I mean, you and I talked last night about the black raven being potentially faked more than any other axe, right? right. Um, so that's really where you're running the risk. Um, some, If something looks off and you don't feel comfortable buying it, or if it raises flags in your mind, your gut's telling you, ah, something's just a little weird about this, don't freaking buy it. It's that simple. Who cares if it gets away from you? Would you rather... Something get away from you or spend hundreds of dollars on a paperweight that has zero value. So with regard to the Raven, that's what you want to look out for the most. Um, and I'm not going to get into, well, this guy's doing these reproductions or this guy's doing these fakes or it sure seems like this one guy's doing a lot of weird stuff and his axes look really, you know, whatever, whatever. It's totally buyer beware uh, with regard to the Black Raven. Um, now, with other axes, condition is kind of everything. That's what you want to look for. Um, a lot of times, if you see a really good deal, let's just say it's a fabulous deal, you might look into the third or fourth picture, and there's a hairline crack right at the eye. Um I don't know if these guys are being deceptive, but they're not forthcoming about it either. So take your pick. Well, I think that's one of the things that you got to watch because sometimes you will see people that have stuff for sale that's, that they don't have a lot in the description. Mm-hmm. It, it will basically say something along the lines, the pictures tell the story. Right. Or the pictures are the description. Right. So they won't tell you that there's a crack. But then they will give you a picture four, five, six in that shows it. And sometimes you really got to look at the picture and be like, oh, hey, look at that. So I don't know if it's necessarily being deceptive. I wouldn't say it's being forthcoming, but they're sort of putting the ball in your court as the buyer to be able to find that so that you know exactly what you are potentially getting yourself into. So those are, those are things that you got to watch. Um, as we talked about, you know, don't buy something without reading the description, you know, like Mike has before, and then you get burned. Uh, here's make a sure great, that, that you take the time. Here's a great, dis- here's a great description. Very nice used condition. 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> Basically to the point. <laughs> but so what else um, then? So if we're looking at these, right? So again, you're a little bit newer to the game. You're not really sure what's going on. So pictures, as we've already talked about. If they only give you two or three pictures, and especially like if they give you three and one of them is fuzzy, it's usually some sort of sign one way or another. Does it always mean that it's a bad deal? Not necessarily, but in today's day and age, in the year of our Lord, 2019, we ought to be able to put three good pictures together to be able to put online is my basic yeah. assumption. Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, again, to each his own. You gotta ask questions. So if you're unsure, to Roy's point, if your gut's sort of sending you in the other direction, ask questions. Send them questions. Have two, three, four of them. Have them all lined up, ready to go, instead of just pounding the guy with question after question after question. Get four or five of them all lined up. Send them, and then see how he answers them. Depending on how those answers come back, you'll sort of be able to tell if this guy knows what he has, if mm-hmm. he doesn't know what he has, if he is being honest and forthright, or if he's not. You can sort of tell that. I will sometimes ask then, so, hey, what's the story behind this axe? Where'd you get it? Is it a barn mm-hmm. find, a state find? Is this something that, like, you do? Or is this, like, do you go and clean houses? Are you an estate guy? Do you go to auctions, blah, blah, blah? See what the story is and just see if it sort of makes sense. Um, sometimes you can tell that. And there's guys out there where they're not axe guys, but they'll get one and it came in an estate sale or it came as he's cleaning out the barn. Right, right, right. And, and you know, and you can tell. Like, the guy's not into that. That's not his specialty, which is fine. Look to see where the area that this axe is coming out of. Like, does it just not make sense at all? So, like, if you see a main wedge pattern and it's coming out of Arizona, how did it get there in the first place? Is that yeah. one that obviously that guy bought? You know, that doesn't really make sense. So just make sure that that particular story with that area makes sense. And it might have been another collector. You know, if he tells you that, be like, yeah, you know, collector. I just happen to live in, you know, Southern <laughs> California. Okay. All right. And then we talked about this, too, last night a little bit. So if you get guys and you're like, I just don't know if this adds up, but the guy has a 1,000 sales and he has 100% feedback. Yeah. Versus maybe somebody that has, like, 96% feedback. you got to look at that a little bit. You can go back in and see. You can read the feedback and see what the issues were. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's within a certain time frame, which I don't – I think it's six months. Don't hold me to that. I think it's six months. What does that look like then? If this guy and he's selling a bunch of axes and he's only at 96%, what's that story? You know, maybe just for whatever reason he can't ship them out on time and that's where he got dinged. Maybe he put some stuff out there and it wasn't on the up and up with the pictures or the description. Maybe that was it. So make sure that you look at that and does that make sense for what you're doing and what you're trying to buy? So, and that's, you know, just if we're just talking about eBay. You know, there's all these other sites, you know, some of the other forums that you can buy online, like Blade Forums. You know, there's guys that used to sell on there, and you, there was the whole, like, ratings and all that you could do. Uh, at Pushcraft USA, I haven't been on there forever. I don't know if they still do it or not, but there's many, many different sites that are online that you can do that. But they all sort of follow the same premise, mm-hmm. yeah. how to do and what to look at. So just make sure that you're putting your time in before you go willy-nilly. I honestly, I honestly do not buy many axes off of eBay. I really don't. If I'm looking, if I've got a customer that's looking for something very, very specific, and I and I reach out to all of you idiots, and uh, you all don't have it, 
then I might, then I'll get on there for sure. I absolutely will get on there and look. Um, you might know I, it's dead. <laughs> I wish it was dead. It's just, it's just sad that that's like the, the de facto freaking place buying place for axes these days. I mean, it's, it's for, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound insulting or anything, but it's, it's kind of the lazy man's game. Um, but you get exactly what you want. You're going to pay up for it most of the time. But if you're in the position where you want that axe, buy it. Okay. But I like the hunt. I mean, Killinger says it all the time. It's all about the hunt. And, you know, just Saturday, we, uh, Britt and I went over to Madison, my local junk stores. I hit them up. I didn't find a lot of pieces. I found two pieces. Um, one, uh, that I've talked about a couple episodes ago. I found the, uh, boys axe with the three P on there. Like, what the hell does the three P mean? But I found this at my local local junk store, and then I found this other unmarked, just a wonky looking some Michigan that's been whaled on, but uh, it's got a price tag on it. I don't know if you can read that or not. It says four dollars fifty cents. Yep, for an unmarked bashed up Michigan. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll buy that. And it's and it's like totally rusty and crusty, and there might be something underneath there. Very well and could I, be. So at four dollars and fifty cents, yeah, I'll take a gamble on that. I don't want to turn this into a hammer session, but uh, check out this hammer that I just I picked up. It's this. Uh, it looks like a new old stock True Temper, and it says Briar Edge on it. Hmm. It's still got the label on it. It's all painted. It's, it's like it's never been used. Yeah, paid, it's pretty. Paid five, yeah, I paid five bucks for that thing, and it's a straight claw framing hammer. Super nice. Especially with that paper label on the handle there. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. But, like, again, there's no substitute for pounding the pavement if you want. And not only are you probably going to get better deals, it's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you can get your hands on things. You obviously then you have a way better idea of what you're buying whenever you have it. And it is. It's cool to take a day and just be like, hey, I'm going to go to spot A, B, and C, and D and sort of make the circle and see what's going on. Just make the loop. You, as you continue that, then you develop a relationship then with those particular people that run those establishments. If you have cards or something like that, or if you're like, hey, listen, mm-hmm. uh, Susie. You know, you know, I'm in here once a month. I'm looking for axes, hatchets. So if one of your sellers or somebody comes in here, why don't you give me a call? Somebody comes in and brings some stuff in. And again, you're developing that relationship, you know, getting your name out there in the community and, uh, and going from there. And that's a really good way to be able to find stuff too is again, whenever people contact you and say, Hey, this yep. is what I got. Are you interested in this? That's, that's pretty yeah. rewarding. So. All right, well, good deal. So we talked about all those other things. We got any other avenues? I think we sort of covered them all for the most part. I think that's. I mean, if you're not doing, if you're not doing those, and you got something else uh, in your back pocket, uh, let us know because that, that those are the typical channels that I go down to try to find pieces. Um, and it can't over can't be overstated that it's all about who you know 
and work in those relationships and contacts and connections. Um, because then you can just sit back and let stuff come to you and then you get to pick what you want. Um, yeah. So let, let's, let's get into, uh, you want to get into that question that, uh, we talked about a little bit before, um, before we started recording about the Kelly. So we can wrap this up on a question note. Yeah. Cause we're, we're going to have to open this up to the group for a little bit of help. So yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay. So who, who asked the question and what was it? Oh, I had it. Okay. Um, so this came in to the Legitimus podcast, and this comes from Connie's and Crosscuts. Uh-huh. Been following us. Uh, avid listener. Uh, seems to really like what we're doing. So, states the Kelly Wood Slasher and the Raven manufactured Connecticut in double bit two and a half cruiser patterns, among other patterns. It says both cruiser patterns highly highly collected in their own rights. My sixty four thousand dollar question, then that I have not found an answer or an example of, is did Kelly Register produce a two and a half pound double bit cruiser? Thanks guys, you're doing a hell of a job with the podcast. On and on. So thanks for uh, the positive comments there. But to boil it down, the question is. Did Kelly Register produce a two and a half pound double bit cruiser? So, you brought this up as we said beforehand. I gave a quick look through the 1933 catalog. No, excuse me, the 1930 catalog through the 1933 price sheets and then also through the 1921 Kelly catalog. And there is no direct reference typing, message, whatever your quotation, to a Kelly Register 2.5-bit cruiser. So the inevitable question is why? Yeah, really, why not? doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, how many different patterns was that registered made in, in 1930? Remember, I was reeling them all off to you. What was there, about a dozen? Yeah. Why no cruiser? Why, why no cruiser? Yeah, so I think the cruiser... I don't know. Right off the top of my head, I don't have a good reason for that because you would think that you would want to. Now, something then tells me that usually whenever I think one thing, then I need to reverse because Mike is 100% wrong. (laughs) So with the cruiser and what it was originally developed to do for marking, you know, timber lines, things like that, my first guess would be I probably don't need something that would have the price tag of the cruiser to be able to do that, or excuse me, of the registered to do that. So, like, if I'm a logging company, do I want to pay top top end money for the registered, which it was, to give to some guy to go down through the woods to slash, mm-hmm. you know, slash a hole in a tree or you know to mark it to pop out the bark? Do I really need a registered for that, or could I get by with a champion? or, you know, Red Rover, whatever, one of those more common lines, Flint Edge, something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be my first guess. And then just maybe they never had a calling for it, so they never made the die for it, or the stamp, or whatever that situation was. That would be sort of my first first takeaway. Now, I have no idea if that's true or not. That's just a guess. So I, underst- I understand that logic, but, I mean, if you compare it to the Black Raven which yes it was a lower line than the registered but man the 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 uh the level of detail on the stamp for 
a cruiser a very specific job, I, and it just begs the question, why not then? I mean, there's no good answer to it, but if you're doing it on this line, why would you not do it on this line? And also, whenever we were talking, that in your 1921 catalog, the cruiser, the Black Raven cruiser, did not exist yet, correct? Correct. It was not listed in there upon first glance. I'll go back through, make sure that that is correct, but it was not listed as an option. So do we even know when the axe industry as a whole started manufacturing cruiser, specific cruisers with the small eye, two and a half pounds? Oh, Daryl and I had this conversation. I don't know the exact time frame right off the top of my head. Silence. Mike Miller's digging for info. <laughs> Let me use my new Google uh, things here. Um, I want to say, you know, it was around the turn of the century there, but then I don't think that they really got popular, like popular, popular until later because mm-hmm. guys like that smaller, you know, you could sort of use it as like an all around, you know, like the popularity of a boy's axe. Like, you know, a lot of guys like that because you can do, a million different things with that. It doesn't take up a lot of room, storage space, whatever. So the real popularity of those didn't go until later on. But I would have to, I'll have to look that up. I, I remember reading about that and going over that. I want to say it was when the, when the, uh, the logging industry was really in its heyday, which is like your 1870s, 1880s, you know, in Wisconsin and Michigan were just going nuts. And then the Pacific Northwest a little bit later than that. But as technology went, you, you really didn't need that because they had other ways of going down through the woods and being able to mark and property lines and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if there's an ever or if there is a really good answer to that. Now, this is under the assumption that that it does not exist. We don't know that for a fact. So hopefully right. someone is listening to me like, oh, I have one sitting in my basement or there's one out in the garage or something like that. I don't remember seeing one, though. I, I don't either. Um, and, and in all fairness, I think the, the registered double bits are less common than the single bits. You don't see them that often. And normally the ones I see are coming out of the, the late era. Well, they're coming out of the West Coast. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The ones that I've seen. The majority of them. Like whenever I see them, they're, oh, this guy's on the West Coast. Which would sort of make sense. But, um, I don't know. Uh, My guy from Spokane's got two of them in his lot that he wants to sell me. I think it's two. And, you know, he, he, he comes back with, well, you don't see a registered double bit very often. All right, son of a bitch, I know. I know. I know that you know. <laughs> Does that mean my price just went up? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't normally see them. And when you do... I've never really seen one that's been in that good of a shape either. They're usually beat. Now they're they're out there, but do you have any double bit registers? I have one double bit registered. It's it's okay. It's it's not in that good of shape. It's it's it does not have a date on it. So some of them have the date, you know, nineteen ten, eleven, fifteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So that's what I was referring to by uh, the late era. So they ran that registered line until in into the ground, and they just kept trying to play on it because that was their that was their top tier line, and they made that that I don't know when they stopped making the register, but like you can see the iterations and t- uh, Lamont's books, uh, they do a really good job of describing it. Um, you can just kind of see the decline of the quality in the the etch and then how they numbered them and i and i mentioned this before some some seller will say oh it's got a really low number it's it's really old no no it's not those i think those numbers were just like bingo numbers that they just arbitrarily threw on there like yeah whatever unless you get one that's stamped 1913 1915 that's how that's how you know how old it is right there yeah, so this says that the Cruiser X basically originally came into use in the late 1800s, early 1900s, which again would would make sense with what I was talking about there. With that was sort of the heyday. So you know, Wisconsin, Michigan taking off, and the millions of board feet that were coming out of there, and then you know, heading out to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, again, basically talking about you know, trying to. Mark the land for where the area would be logged, uh, marking for the best route to get into the particular area, marking for roads, you know, the tracks of land, blah, blah, blah. So if we're talking about 1870, 1880s, so what, what do you got there for an actual window? You probably got about, let's say 70, that's 30. You got about a 50, 60 year window. So I mean, it's not, not that small. Yeah. But doesn't really answer the question why there is no registered ones. So let's tie this all back to collections, all right, and getting stuff. What what's the what are some notable cruisers in Mike Miller's collection? Because uh, people black, always want to people always want to know what you have, right? Yeah. So the Black Raven cruiser would probably be the uh, probably the best cruiser that I have. Um, I have a Sauger Chemical. Cruiser, which you don't see that often. I actually have two of those, and that, those took me forever to find. You don't find them that much. I've got uh, one of those. I'm trying to think. Uh, the various Kelly ones. So there's a Handmade. There's a World's Finest I have. Flint Edge, obviously. Well, you, Warrior, have a, you, have a hand, you have a Handmade? Mm-hmm. Where it's like uh, the deep no, 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 stamp? The, the Kelly just Works. The regular, oh, okay. The Kelly Works with the, just the wording, Handmade. Kind of like all um, crooked and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that they made that line on on a cruiser. I'm trying to think, what's the uh, not clipper by man? I'm trying to think. I don't think I have a keen cutter. I would have to look, but probably if you had to say, then the the, the top one that I have is is a black raven one. But it sounds like you've got several nice cruisers. I mean. I had them all separated out at one point. I forget how many there is. Probably thirty, pushing thirty. Jeez Louise! Somewhere. I now. think I. Man, I. If I have a dozen, um, yeah, I think I might have a dozen. But I got two black ravens, uh, that bluegrass cruiser that we talked about early, early on. Yeah. The, and uh, this, of course, is not. I'm not counting. You know, probably my three or four wood slashers. Oh, the wood slasher. 
It always <laughs> rears its head. I'll tell you who made a nice one. There's a Vaughn Super Steel. I have a couple of those. Those are actually really nice cruisers. Very nice. I've got a cruiser that you probably want. And I talked to you because it was in that lot that I got from Spokane last year. And I even sent you a message about it. Do you, you remember what it was? Was it the Warren with the round circle? Good God, look at you. Yeah, it is. Okay. Told you. I do not have one of those. I've got one. Yeah. I've got I've got a Collins Legitimus um, cruiser. Yeah, yeah, I got one of those. It's my, mine is rough. The stamp is good, uh, but man, is it pitted out? But it 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 looks cool. It's awesome. I do have a Red Warrior. Um, I think those are my notable cruisers. A couple of Plum cruisers. They're just cool, man. I, I just really, really love cruisers. I guess I am forgetting about the Plum Dreadnought cruiser. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm just forgetting about yeah. them. Uh, how quickly we forget, huh? What yeah, I bought, I bought 18 of them at one time. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking fool. But, yeah, so those would probably be the, uh, the top ones. I don't think I have any other ones in here. but So... Yeah, so to wrap this whole thing up with this particular question, number one, great question. Number two, we got to dig into it. We got to figure out what's going on. So number three, we're going to need people's help. So if you have one, if you know Joe down the road that has it, if you've seen one online, let us know so that we can dig into it and get this thing figured out. It's going to be one of those questions we probably won't ever really be able to answer. But I got a feeling there's going to be a couple old timers that are going to be messaging me and saying, hey, Mike, this is what you need to know. And I really enjoy that. So if anybody knows anything, please let us know so we can get to the bottom of this to make sure that we're taking care of the people. That's right. All right, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. Wrap it. Done.